Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for you today is that the message you hear will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. I heard this message, someone said, you water what you want to see grow. And I've been praying and praying and praying and seeking the Lord and asking that God would move on us as a people, as his church, and fill us with his Holy Spirit and revive us and renew us and strengthen us. And I've been praying for it. I've been asking for it. I really believe that he's been doing that already this morning. But I felt some, some conviction or correction saying, you've, I've not been watering that part of our, uh, in the church as much as we, as we need to. And I want to see it grow. So I felt like the Lord says, water what you want to see grow. And I feel like there's been so many, there's so much misunderstanding and so much confusion in relation to the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does that sometimes when movements like this happen, we, we are just more confused than we are moved by the Spirit of God. And, and, and the Spirit of God is not the spirit of confusion. He doesn't bring confusion. He doesn't bring disorder. He brings order. And so we as a people need to better understand who the Holy Spirit is so that when He continues to move like this, we know what He's doing. And we, we want to see more of it. And so I want to just teach a little bit this morning about correcting some of that misunderstanding or confusion about who the Holy Spirit is and believe that he's going to bring clarity to us, okay? So I'll try to move through this quickly. But I believe it's a pattern throughout Scripture that we see whatever part of the Godhead is moving here on earth, there's, they're always misunderstood. We understand the Holy Spirit to be part of the triune Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And anytime we see throughout Scripture one of the, the Godhead moving on earth, there's always a confusion between us and God. We see it Mount Sinai when God the Father meets Moses on the mountain and he draws the people out of Egypt, the Israelites, the Jewish people. And he wants to meet with them, but they're terrified and they say, we, we can't approach the mountain. So Moses, you go, but we'll stay back. You be the intercessor between us and God. We, we can't draw near to him, even though God wanted all of his people. It says in Hebrews that, that we are all priests and kings, that we should all have intimacy with God. But they were misunderstanding what God the Father was doing, and they created a, a separation. When Jesus comes to earth, what do they do? They say he's demon-possessed, he's drunk, he's a glutton. They try to kill him. They misunderstand him. Then Jesus dies on the cross, lays down his life, ascends into heaven. He says, I will send the comforter to you, a counselor who is like me, and he will come and dwell in you. And now the Holy Spirit, any movement of God in the earth now is God the Spirit moving, and we misunderstand him. We don't quite know what's going on. This is a pattern with us, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to bring clarity and wants to speak to us. And help us understand who He is and what He has come to do. So this morning, that's where we'll start. Seeking to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what His purpose is here on the earth. I want to give us six descriptors. 
of who the Holy Spirit is, looking to answer that question of what is His mission. Are you ready to jump into the Word of God today? Let's pray real quick together. Lord Jesus, we thank You for sending Your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank You that You are here and that You are moving in this church and in this body and in Your people because You love us and You want to fill us with Your your presence and Your power. Come teach us. Open our minds to understand. Give us greater revelation, Lord. And as our revelation of You increases, our worship of You increases. We love You. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to try to go through these six quickly. The first one is this. Very simple. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is human, but He is a person. He has feelings. He has a personality. He has will. He has an intention. He has motivation. And a lot of times we, in the church, sometimes we understand that Holy Spirit to be a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, three essences in one, three in one. But we misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is. One of the biggest errors that have happened throughout the centuries in the churches that we've, un- that we've looked as, at the Holy Spirit as a force or an energy or a power that flows from God, from God the Father to us. It's as if God's like shooting a power beam down to earth and we think that is the Holy Spirit. But that's not who the Holy Spirit is. He is not an energy that we consume or walk around with. He is not a force that is protruding from heaven towards earth, but He is a person who you can have a relationship with. He has a personality. He has feelings. Do you know the Holy Spirit has feelings? You can make the Holy Spirit sad or angry. You can insult Him and you can blaspheme Him. He is a person. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 31, I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Acts chapter 7 says this, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit, or we can accept Him, or we can receive Him. Paul writes to the Ephesians, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God who has sealed you for the day of redemption. There is this relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit to the point where we can grieve Him. Do you know the Holy Spirit has intentions and discretion? He loves and He communicates. He testifies to who Jesus is. He teaches us and He even prays for us. These are qualities that help us understand the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. I love what Romans chapter 8 says in verse 26 and 27. Paul writes, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever heard someone when they're weeping before God or God's moving on them and they begin to just grown out. They make, they're making these sounds that are inaudible. You don't know what's going on. The old, in the old days, they used to call it travailing, weeping before the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit interceding for us through us. And this is what He does because He loves us and He is praying for us and He's 
interceding for us. And I love what he says here. And he, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Meaning this, when, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and there's evidence of speaking in new tongues, when you begin to pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying the perfect will of God for your life through your own mouth. Isn't that incredible? That the Spirit of God loves us so much that He, he knows, that says that He knows the will of the one who searches hearts. That the way, what that means is that He knows the will of God. God is the one who searches hearts. Right? The Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So the Spirit of God knows the will of God. And, and when you don't know what to pray, He prays through you the perfect will of God. If you want to know how to get in the will of God, begin to pray in the Spirit. And it will align you with the will of God. It's not a weird thing. It's not an abnormal thing. It should be a normal thing that we do as believers. Because it is the Spirit of God praying through us. And He's, and he's encouraging us and building us up as He prays through us. This is a person that we can know and have relationship with. Number two, the Holy Spirit was present during Jesus' ministry on earth. From the very beginning, when Jesus was being born of a virgin, in Luke chapter 1 it says the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her and the Holy One would be born called the Son of God. Later on, when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan, and he comes up, they said that they saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove, filling him with the Holy Spirit. That launched him into his ministry. So he was birthed by the Holy Spirit. He was launched into ministry by the Holy Spirit. He was, he, he was uh, carried on and, and encouraged and strengthened by the Holy Spirit throughout his entire ministry. And I think sometimes when we look at the Holy Spirit, we can get confused by the, by the imagery that is used in Scripture to describe the Spirit of God. When you think of God the Father, you kind of have an image in your mind, right? When you think of Jesus, the Son of God, you, you have an image of your mind. But when you come to the Holy Spirit, it's hard to imagine. So oftentimes we think, well, He descended on Jesus like a dove, so maybe He is a dove. And every time we go outside, we see a dove, we're like, oh, the Holy Spirit is here. Yes, Lord. There's, there's seven Holy Spirits. How, I don't even know how that's happening. But he's not a bird, right? The Holy Spirit's not a bird. He's a, you know, when the, when the Holy Spirit fell on the, in the upper room and on the 120 and they began speaking in new tongues, there was tongues of fire. Sometimes they, people think, well, the Holy Spirit is, is a fire. But he's not a fire either. He's spirit. And we use these words to try to ex describe but, but they all fall short. And oftentimes we can think because he's a fire, or we see him as a bird, we, 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 it lessens his personality. But he is a person who you can have relationship with. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when my brother was playing basketball in high school and he was hitting every shot. We're like, man, that kid's on fire. But he literally was not on fire. We would have not have just continued to applaud, right? That would be inhumane. It just describes the fact that he's unstoppable. And sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit being a fire, we're trying to describe how he consumes and how he's unstoppable. But know that he is, he is someone that you can have a personal 
relationship with. Even during Jesus' ministry, he taught about the Holy Spirit and had a personal relationship with him. In fact, everything that Jesus did here on earth in relation to miracles and signs and wonders was not done through his own godliness or through his own power as the Son of God, but it was all done through the Holy Spirit. We understand that because when Je- it says when Jesus stepped out of heaven into earth to be born of a virgin, it says that he disrobed, he removed his, his glory and his majesty and left it in heaven to be born of a virgin. So when he was born fully God and fully man, everything that he went through and everything he experienced was through his full humanity. And his ministry did not start until he was baptized and raised up and then to fill with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit descended on him. And so everything that we do now is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry was driven by the Holy Spirit and he encouraged even his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit in their lives. Number three, the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers. He's always working. It reminds me of the song, Waymaker, Miracle Worker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Who is the one who is working? The Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit of God who is working day in and day out for you, interceding for you, feeling what you feel, seeing what you see, hearing what you hear. But yet he says, I want you to see what I see. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to know what I know. He is the Holy Spirit who is continuing to work. He's the one who works in us. Jesus emphasized our need for the Holy Spirit. He even told his disciples that he was praying for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? We understand that Jesus, we call him the Spirit Baptizer. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is Jesus baptizing you in the Spirit, in his Spirit. He says this in John 14, 16 and 17. This is awesome. He says, and I will ask the Father, Jesus praying for us to receive the Spirit of God. I will ask the Father and he will send another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. The Lord mentions two things here. The Holy Spirit is real. And has been real for all eternity. He was not a created being. He is with God. And is God. And and He wants to live in you. He wants to dwell with you. And He has come to be with us. At that time, the, the, the disciples were following Jesus. The Spirit dwelled with them. But they lacked having Him in their In their hearts. And if the Spirit of God was so important to the ministry of Jesus here on earth, how much more is He vital to our lives as followers of Jesus? How much more do we need the Spirit of God in us if Jesus could do nothing apart from the Spirit of God? We see the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. Through Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the second verse, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. That's the Holy Spirit. We see him all the way at the end of the book. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. We see him crying out with us. It says, the spirit and the bride say come. 
says the, the Spirit of God, because He is dwelling with us and He longs for Jesus' return, that when we cry out for Jesus to return and, 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 re, and bring His kingdom, the Spirit of God also cries out with us. He, he grieves when we grieve. He feels what we feel. His job is not done until all know the saving knowledge of Jesus. So He is working and He cries out with us, Come, come Lord Jesus, come. From the beginning to the end, the Holy Spirit is always the one being active. He's active in the beginning, creating. And in the end of the story, He's tending for His creation. He's tending to our hearts and to our needs. He comforts us. He helps us. He guides us. He reminds us. He teaches us. He comes alongside us. He counsels us. He intercedes for us. He advocates for us. There is no area in this life that the Holy Spirit does not want to work in. He is doing all of these things in us and through us and for us if we'll just allow Him to move in us. We have to learn what it means to yield to the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing that in church and I never understood it until I started driving and I saw the yield sign. And I thought, I could go, but I'll probably hit the car that has the right-of-way. And I thought, that's what it means to yield. And, and maybe you were like, of course that's what it means. But for me, in my teenage brain, I didn't understand it. But seeing the yield sign, I thought, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold back and allow this person to go is what we need to do with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to wait, and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to go before me. I'm not going to speak those words yet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to yield and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He's going to do first. I'm not going to rush through this and try to make something happen on my own. I'm going to hold back and wait and allow the Holy Spirit to go before me. We have to learn what it means to yield to the Holy Spirit. And even when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to learn what it means to yield our tongues so that He can speak His words before we speak our own. That is a different thing. That is something that is so contrary to us. We don't know what it means to not have control of our own mouths. We don't know what it means not to speak our own conscious thoughts. And yet, when we learn to yield to the Spirit, His Spirit speaks through us words that we cannot understand. Speaking the will of God for us and interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is the one who wants to work in us. And there's no area of our lives that we don't need His help or His touch. I mentioned before this idea of the paraclete. When I was young, I thought they, they were calling the Holy Spirit a parakeet. And I was like, well, He's not a dove. I guess He's a parakeet. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is. But that word, that very closeness of the Holy Spirit, His name means the very close one. To call the very close one is His name, the paraclete of heaven. To call Him close. To ask Him to come. And He will do it because it's His name. He wants to draw close. We heard through the interpretation that He wants to draw close to you and He wants you to draw close to Him. He wants it more than you want anything else in this life. The Holy Spirit wants you to know Him and to have have relationship with Him, to have intimacy with His Spirit. He is called the very close one. And in fact, we need a life full of the Holy Spirit to continue to grow 
and to continue to develop as a follower of Jesus. We need it. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to continue to grow and develop as followers of Jesus. My fourth point is this, without a full life full of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible, it's impossible to build the church. It's impossible to grow in the church without a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know a gospel with no emphasis on the Holy Spirit is flat? In Scripture, when there is a special manifestation of God or a move of God in the New, in the New Testament, the New Testament is emphatic to state that those who are involved in that movement are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to have an, a God encounter and a manifestation of His presence, there has to be a filling of His Spirit before the Spirit of God will move and rush into these moments. We understand it. We saw that through the life of John the Baptist, even before he was born, he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb so that when Elizabeth, the mother who was carrying John the Baptist in her womb, heard the mother of Mary, uh, the, the mother of Jesus, Mary, John left in her stomach, filled with the Holy Spirit every way before he was ever born. That's why we believe that life is precious even in the womb. Because if, if Jesus can fill a fetus, a baby, with his spirit, then how should we take that opportunity away from them? We believe that there is a power of God wanting to fill us today. We saw it in Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, as he prophesied, it says that he was filled with the spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was led into the desert. We see the, the, spirit, the disciples being filled with the spirit in the upper room when we see Peter filled with the Holy Spirit as he stood and preached to thousands on the day of Pentecost. We see a young Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit who is, saw the glory of God as he was being stoned to death. And we see Paul taking on a sorcerer filled with demons because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. There's no doubt that, a, uh, that in the church a life filled with the Holy Spirit should be the norm. Do you know that even in the New Testament church, it was a requirement for those who were serving to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a requirement. This should be our goal, to be filled up with the Spirit of God. Without a life full of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible to build the body of Christ. And we end up limiting God and His work in our lives. Do you know why that is? Because number five, the Holy Spirit wants to work in the world and He works through evangelism. The Holy Spirit works through evangelism. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 8, says this, When He comes, He will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. When He comes, He will convict the, wor the world. I love that Jesus uses, this, he uses a legal term there, convict, in order to highlight this. That even if a person points out to your error, that does not mean you feel convicted. They can tell you all the things that you're doing wrong, and it's like you get more defensive than you are ready to receive what they're saying to you, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction and correction. Not other people. It is the Spirit who brings conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit in your life will show you the offense. He'll reveal the foolishness of your sin. He'll point out the consequences of your sin. He'll convince you of the guilt of your sin. And then He'll lead you to repentance. He will draw you out of the sin 
into His life. That is, the, that is the thing the Holy Spirit works in you. And so if you're struggling with sin, you need more of the Holy Spirit, not less. He wants to fill you so that He can point out to you, these are the things that you need to change to be set free, and I'll help you do it along the way. He never calls you out of the pit without jumping down in there first to, po- to boost you out of it. He pulls us up out of it, out of the muck and the mire. He is the one who comes alongside us. He is the very close one. When you're going through junk, you think the Holy Spirit decided to step away from you? No, He steps closer. He draws closer when you're going through something. He draws very close to you. And He wants you to know He is very close today. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is the greatest ally you'll ever have in this life of pursuing after Jesus. He wants to help you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you through the struggle. The Holy Spirit knows what you're going through. Man, I, the, the, the interpretation in tongues this morning couldn't have been more dead on for this message. He sees what you see. He feels what you feel. Sometimes you think when you're looking at things you should not, that the Holy Spirit has stepped away from you. No, He's there with you, saying, this is not for you. Turn your eyes away. My heart breaks for the things that we drag the Holy Spirit into, thinking that we'll separate ourselves. No, He draws closer. Because he, he loves us so much that he's willing to put up with the junk we drag him through. But he says to us today, you don't need those things. Come and allow me to draw you close. Allow me to bring you back into the goodness of God. Allow me to draw you closer. The Holy Spirit fills us. He fills us. And without him and the filling of the Holy Spirit, our task of reaching the world with without His Spirit, will fail. It'll fail without the Holy Spirit. The emphasis on the Holy Spirit shouldn't come just from a, a, a denomination or a church. You say, well, I'm, I'm assemblies of God, so yeah, we've, we've got the Spirit of God, but those Baptist people down the street, man, we just pray for them. They don't have the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't come through de- denominational lines. It comes from Christ Himself who told us you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the disciples asked the the Lord about their future, when Jesus died on the cross, raised to life again, they said, now are you going to establish your kingdom? And he said, no, this, this is not for you to know when or the hour or the time, but what you do need to know is this. When you will receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. He says, you will receive power, not to show off, but to reach the world. You will be filled to spread the gospel. It's more than just speaking in tongues. It's there to reach the lost. Acts clearly states how to recognize someone who is filled with the Spirit. They will be witnesses. They cannot shut up about Jesus. That's how we know you're filled with the Spirit of God. When, when your words are always speaking about Jesus and what He's doing and how He's moving and what He's wanting to do in other people's lives. 
The Bible makes it very clear that love will distinguish the mark of disciples, but witnessing will distinguish those filled with the Spirit. It doesn't matter how many spiritual experiences you may have. Whoever does not testify of Christ does not show evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And oftentimes, we've established in the Assemblies of God, we say the speaking in tongues is the first physical initial evidence of being baptized in the Spirit, and it is. But if you stop with that and you cease from sharing the gospel with others, you are limiting the Holy Spirit's power in your life. It is not about uttering uh, speaking in a different language, if you will not share in English or in Spanish or in whatever language you know the goodness of God in your life. Amen. It is about demonstrating the feeling of your Holy Spirit by sharing the gospel with people who are lost and undone without Christ. You want to know and demonstrate what it means to be filled with the Spirit? Share with somebody what God is doing in your life and give them hope that He can do the same in their life. That's why we know that we are demonstrating the Holy Spirit. I think I, sometimes in Pentecostal circles and growing up, I've seen it where I hear people say, ooh, they got the Holy Ghost. Have you ever anybody say that before? They would call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. And they say, ooh, they got him. And they do a little knee bend. Ooh, they got the Holy Ghost. Watch out. You don't even know when it's going to happen. They'll just be walking around. Got it. Got him right there. I felt him. He took my knees out almost. But I think, it's a, I think that's wrong to say we got the Holy Ghost or we have the Holy Ghost as if he is something that we can contain in ourselves. I think we should be more consumed with, does the Holy Ghost have us? Does the Holy Spirit have us? So that when he speaks to us, we listen. He's in charge, not us. Do we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us to the point where we say, yes, Lord, your will, not my will, be done? Imagine and remember that the Holy Spirit was working through Jesus all the way through his life, even when he was crying out in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he had to go to the cross and the burden and the weight of it was so heavy that when he prayed, not my will, your will be done, he was praying in the Holy Spirit, saying, not my will, my fleshly will, not the will that I'm struggling with this, but your will that will carry me through this struggle. I want that will to be done. I want that will to be done. And we need to pray that those who are struggling and wrestling today, that we would say, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. Look at what Paul says, Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, when, when receiving the Spirit of God, he says this, I only want to learn this from you. He's asking a question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? It's a rhetorical question. No one receives the Holy Spirit based on what they do. The experience of salvation is free. So why would then we create a stipulation that God would do something differently when He wants to fill us with His Holy Spirit? They are free gifts that He gives us. Salvation is a free gift. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a free gift. You receive it based on grace and faith alone. When you, when you have the faith to say, Jesus, I need you, come and save me, you believe that Jesus is coming and saving you right now in that moment, don't you? When you come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me with your spirit and allow me to know that you are with me and that I am being filled with the, I am being baptized in the Holy Spirit, you do it with the same amount of faith that you did when you prayed the prayer of salvation. 
You believe the Holy Spirit will answer your call. You believe the Holy Spirit will be the one who enters into your life. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith. And we believe that He will respond to our requests without delay. He will do it because He wants to. Jesus captures this essence of this experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit by saying this, If you then who are evil give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more, if you ask, Holy Spirit, fill me with evidence of speaking in new tongues and don't make it such a weird thing and don't make it such a thing where you're not sure if it should happen or not. If you trust Him, then trust Him. If you say you trust the Holy Spirit, then trust the Holy Spirit. He's not going to come out here and make you do dancing in your grocery store and doing cartwheels and speaking all kinds of tongues and everywhere else doing shalababas or whatever in the grocery store. If you trust Him, then trust Him. Ask Him to fill you and empower you and encourage you and believe that He wants to do it and is going to do it because He loves us and He gives good gifts to us. Finally, in my sixth point, in order to receive the power of God, you don't need some formula. You need a relationship. You don't need a formula. You need a relationship. This is what He was speaking to His disciples when they were more concerned about the kingdom coming in Acts chapter 1. He was saying, you don't need to know all that. What you do need to know is you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to receive power. And I can imagine that that perked the ears of the disciples. Because for three and a half years or three years, they walked with Jesus and they saw the power of God move through his life. They saw him raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons. They saw him uh, feed the thousands with two loaves of Uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. They saw him do all these things and they thought, this kind of power, we can have that too? I'm sure that perked them up, do you think? They've been wanting to work in miracles and power and they did it sometime when he sent them out. They came back and they're like, man, we cast out demons in your name. And Jesus is like, just be happy your name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? They were excited to be moving in power and he was saying, I'm going to go up, but I'm going to send the counselor to you that you also will be filled with the power that I've been working in. And it, and it perked their attention. But, but they couldn't be obsessed with the power. They had to be obsessed with the one who gives it. You know, we're going into almond pollination right now, almond season. We're going to see all the blooms everywhere. and We're putting bees in like crazy. And it's a lot of work. And, and, the, and the, the, the farmers are bringing in the bees because they want to get the most crops that they can get. They want to get as much pro, uh, production out of those trees as possible, right? If they didn't put in the bees, they would lose two-thirds of their crop. So they're bringing them in because they want a big crop. But their relationship is not with the nut on the tree. Their relationship is with the tree itself. They have to plant the tree They have to water the tree. They have to fertilize it. They have to prune it. They have to take care of it to produce the fruit that the tree produces. If you want the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you can't be consumed with the fruit itself. You have to be consumed with the Spirit who gives the fruit. You have to to sow that into that relationship. You have to water that relationship. you got to care for it. you got to prune it. you got to do the things that need to be done so that the fruit can bear, so that you can bear fruit in your life. Sometimes we get so consumed with wanting the gifts that we forget about the giver of the gifts. And you want to have the power of God moving in your life? You have to be consumed with being in right relationship with the Holy Spirit and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? 
That's waking up every morning saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to do in me today? What do you want to speak through me today? It's asking him to be filled continually and asking him, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Fill me up with your spirit. Fill me up with your presence. I give more of myself to you. Work on that relationship because being filled with the power of God is not a formula. It is a relationship that he wants to pour out over you. Does that make sense? We have to be consumed with him. We have to care more about honoring him and serving him and loving him and adoring him and respecting his spirit. Learning to wait on him like we did this morning. Developing that relationship. Waiting is the hardest thing that we can do sometimes. But in the waiting, it it shows that, that desire, that longing for the one that you're waiting for. We don't just desire the fruit. We desire the relationship and the fruit that comes from a healthy relationship. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. That would help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the mission of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you. God bless.